And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, Dr. Hans Vogt, Professor, Ulster County Community College. Good morrow, Dan. Well, Hans, it's good to have you here on this Saturday. This is the time of year when uh, everybody starts thinking about Thanksgiving, and I uh, really appreciate you coming over to the studio here. It was really a spur-of-the-minute, uh, last-minute deal where uh, we said, hey, uh, let's do a plain answer on Thanksgiving. Um, when is Thanksgiving? Is it this coming Thursday, I guess? That's right. November well, 25th this year. It's coming up so quick. Uh, that's what happens, I guess, as you get older. The year just whisks by, and you say, where did it go? But uh, in terms of Thanksgiving, uh, I know before we opened the mics, we were talking a little bit about God wants his people to be thankful. And uh, you looked up a verse of scripture for us, and it comes out of the book of Philippians. And God says in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So there's this general uh, overarching theme uh, in the Christian's life that God wants us to be thankful. He wants us to have heart attitudes of prayer, bringing our needs uh, before our Lord, and particularly thanking him uh, from our hearts for all the good things that he's done. Um, now, you're a professor, and uh, you have a lot of knowledge of American history as well as other countries, but here in America, uh, was there such a thing as a first Thanksgiving? Yes and no. <laughs> Typical professor. Why am I not surprised? There was certainly a harvest party uh, in the fall of 1621 where the uh, Wampanoag uh, Native Americans and the Plymouth Separatists, or pilgrims as we usually call them, uh, got together and uh, celebrated the harvest and, and gave thanks. Mm. Um, neither the Wampanoags nor the pilgrims would have called that Thanksgiving, however. What did they do? Well, they uh, both uh, the English colonists and the Native Americans would have been familiar with the idea of, of a harvest celebration. Yeah, uh, and for both of them, that's what they were having was a harvest celebration. Right. So they gathered, they had uh, enjoyed several days of feasting. They uh, turned on their TV sets, watched a little football. <laughs> sure, <laughs> no. <laughs> so here they are, and it is the fall of 1621. That's right. They've been in, uh, they, that is, English colonists have been in the New World for just about a year. Mm-hmm. They had arrived the previous November in 1620. Uh, they had gone through a horrible first winter uh, in yeah. which about half of their original colonists who had come in the Mayflower had died. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had survived, and they had uh, been able to plant their crops and harvest them. And uh, this is actually the way uh, Edward Winslow described it. This is the first-hand account. It comes from a book called Mort's Relation. And this is really the only first-hand account we have of that first Thanksgiving. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, so that we might, after a special manner, rejoice together. After we had gathered the fruits of our labors... They four in one day killed as much fowl as with a little help beside served the company almost a week, at which time amongst other recreations we exercised our arms. Many of the Indians coming amongst us, and amongst the rest their greatest king, Massasoit, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, 
which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor, and upon the captain and others. And although it be not always so plentiful, as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. Hmm. That's remarkable. Here was a people that uh, lost family members. Many died, and um, they're just praising God for his provision. Um, When they said they exercised our arms, what were they referring to there? Shooting contests. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> they weren't doing arm wrestling. They were, uh, yeah, I can see contests. them out there arm wrestling, the Indians. <laughs> so uh, they were fouling. They said uh, in one day it, it provided a week's worth, apparently, of, of food, of, of birds to eat. Yes, it doesn't specify what kind of birds. Yeah, I was um, wondering. Probably it was waterfowl. Uh-huh. Probably it was more uh, ducks and, and things okay. like that. Um, We do know that they ate turkey. Uh, William Bradford, in in his uh, book on Plymouth Plantation, does say that they um, had great store of wild turkey, as he put it. Uh Um, But it doesn't specifically say that they had turkey at that Thanksgiving meal. We know they had deer. We know they had venison. Um, Neat. They would not have had potatoes because potatoes potatoes come from South America and they had not been brought to New England yet. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, they did not have popcorn either. Although that's an no often uh, said, but uh, there's no evidence that the Wampanoags had popcorn. So it's a good likelihood when they refer to fowling that it would have been ducks right. or, or some water kind of waterfowl, yeah. and certainly the deer is mentioned. What kind of vegetables? They would have they had, had uh, squash, um, hmm. uh, pumpkins, um, mm-hmm. things like that. I don't know that they would have had pumpkin pie necessarily, no. but they probably had pumpkin in some form. Yeah. It's possible they had cranberries. Interesting. Um, we know yeah. that Native Americans used cranberries. There is no evidence of the English using cranberries until yeah. later, but it's possible they had that. Yeah. I was just looking at the clock here. We need to take a short break and um, listen to some Thanksgiving music. And then after the break, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, Our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. Summer Springtime and harvest 
sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy. Faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today, Dr. Hans Vogt, Professor Ulster County Community College. We're talking about Thanksgiving. And um, Hans, do you think that the pilgrims would have called this Thanksgiving uh, when they had their celebration back there in the fall of 1621? Certainly not. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Pilgrims or, or separatists. Um, who were the first settlers there at Plymouth Colony. Basically, there were three kinds of holy days that they observed. There was the weekly Sabbath, uh, the Lord's Day worship service. Uh, Secondly, a day of humiliation and fasting. Hmm. And third, a day of thanksgiving and praise. Now, obviously, the Sabbath was weekly. The last two, the day of humiliation and fasting and the day of thanksgiving and praise, were only held for special circumstances. Hmm. Uh, and so that would be a day of humiliation and fasting would be if some misfortune um, had had befallen them, and which they would assume meant that God was displeased, and therefore oh, okay. they needed to be uh, fasting and repenting of, of mm-hmm. their sins. Uh, and then a day of thanksgiving and praise would be rejoicing over God's providence that had um, favored them with mm-hmm. um, you know, something that, an unexpected blessing. So, so they clearly had a sense of God's providential working among them, of uh, kind of orchestrating all things after the counsel of his own will, as as it says in, in Ephesians. Absolutely. They very much believed that they had a covenant relationship with God, hmm. uh, and that just as in uh, the Bible, you know, God uh, tells his people uh, that when they are obeying his will, when they are following the law, when they are worshiping him correctly, then mm. they will be blessed. Uh, and okay. when, of course, they do not, then there will be punishment for that. Yes. And so the uh, separatists um, and the Puritans very much believe they have a similar covenant relationship with God. So and, on that front, they were similar, the separatists and the Puritans. Yes. Oh, okay. Now you mentioned Puritans. You got me thinking here. Could you just explain to the listeners some of the differences between the pilgrims and the, and the Puritans? Sure. Maybe. The both the Puritans and the Separatists were uh, English Calvinists okay. uh, and dissenters from the established Church of England, who wanted to see the Church of England become more reformed. That is more uh, in the tradition of John Calvin. Mm-hmm. The major difference between the two uh, is that the Separatists believed that the Church of England was basically hopelessly corrupt, and therefore they had to separate themselves and have independent congregations outside of the established church. The Puritans wanted to purify the Church of England. They believed that they should stay in relation to 
the established church with the hopes of, of gradually transforming it, yes. reforming it, bringing it more in with what they considered a biblical model for what mm-hmm. the church should be. Now, when did the Puritans uh, appear on the scene? We've covered the, in terms of the time frame of the pilgrims. Uh, I think you said 1620 and then the celebration here on 1621. What's the time frame for the Puritans? The Puritans show up about a decade later. Mm. Uh, They receive a number of wealthy Puritan gentlemen receive a charter for the Massachusetts Bay Company in 1628 from King Charles. And then they begin to establish settlements to the north of Plymouth, what will become the colony of Massachusetts Bay Mm. around 1629-1630. They will then establish a second colony at Connecticut in 1635. I'm just sitting here thinking and shaking my head a little bit. You can't see that over the air, but um, it just makes me sad when I consider these men and women of God coming to this land, both pilgrims, then, like you said, a decade later, the Puritans, uh, intensely loving Christ and, and wanting to see the expansion of his kingdom, and the landscape over in that area of our country today, um, yes, there are pockets of Christianity, but I get the feeling that we've drifted a long way from where we first started. Definitely. You I know? think uh, the, the Puritans and the Separatists would be uh, quite mm. surprised were they to return to mm. their old stomping grounds. And even, and this is convicting to us today as Christians, uh, you mentioned earlier that these pilgrims, uh, were disciplined in terms of they had the weekly Sabbath, right, the Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, they also would have these times of humiliation and, and fasting, other times of thanksgiving and praise. And I wonder, uh, I, how do I say this? I wonder if the modern Christian, we're so used to our cell phones and, and instant messaging and, and computers and everything, everything is fast, quick fix type of thing. Do we even have the patience to sit through some kind of a worship service such as these pilgrims had. I suspect not. We no. have a much shorter attention span. <laughs> and I'm preaching to myself, right? Because I, you know, I'm of the opinion that, you know, okay, uh, pastor, don't preach your sermon too long now, you know, and uh, maybe it's shame on me. Um, need to be a little bit more like these pilgrims. Well, we're looking forward to Thanksgiving coming, and it's uh, less than a week away. It's this coming Thursday or next Thursday, and um, uh, I see you've got all kinds of notes there, but let me just interrupt your train of thought for a minute and say, um, are you going to eat special food on Thanksgiving Day, uh, Professor Hans? <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll eat turkey, even if it's not historically accurate or it's historically say, questionable. You're not going to go out and hunt your deer uh, and no. go fowling? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sometimes we have a tradition, I haven't done it lately, that I actually do go hunting on Thanksgiving morning, and uh, it's possible that my son Nathan may want to go out, so we'll see. But um, it's a wonderful time of year, and I interrupted your train of thought. You were looking at all of your papers there and thinking about the next thing that we wanted to talk about. So um, go right ahead. <laughs> we talked about the fact that the the pilgrims wouldn't have called the, the Harvest Party in 1621 yeah. Thanksgiving. For a pilgrim, their first Thanksgiving, what they would have called it first Thanksgiving, uh, actually occurred in 1623. Hmm. Uh, and it followed a day of humiliation. Uh, so. The colony in 1623 is still struggling to survive. They were critically low on food. 
They had been expecting a ship with supplies and additional colonists for months, and it had not shown up. And by um, the summer, they had a great drought, mm. which had uh, done damage to their crops. So, so after all that, now they're going to have a Thanksgiving. That's right. Well, first they have a day of mourning uh, in a fast yeah. and humiliation. Yeah. Uh, as uh, Winslow writes, these misfortunes moved not only every good man privately to enter into examination with his own estate between God and his conscience, and so to humiliation before him, but also more solemnly to humble ourselves together before mm. the Lord by fasting and prayer. To that end, a day was appointed by public authority. And uh, Winslow does not describe exactly what happened, but uh, I can t- tell you that uh, the day of, of uh, public worship and fasting lasted eight or nine hours. So clearly they had longer attention yeah, spans. That's than right. We do. And, and also what I'm getting from this is they have a heightened sense of, of conscience uh, where they're tender before the Lord. Uh, if they, They're more sensitive, it seems, have I offended the God of the covenant? by my sin. And, uh, you know, we need to be there more. Uh, exactly. And in then, our day and age. And then when they find, when the ship does come, and they find out that, you know, they are going to have the, the food and the supplies that they need, uh, then they decide to hold a Thanksgiving day. Mm. Uh, Winslow says, the colonists thought it would be great ingratitude if secretly we should smother up the same or content ourselves with private Thanksgiving for that which by private prayer could not be obtained. And therefore another solemn day was set apart and appointed for that end. Here's something else that's coming out. The theme is um, um, the necessity of uh, corporate worship and not just only going off on your own, having your own private time of devotion, but really the necessity of the body of Christ coming together as a corporate body before God Almighty. Right, yeah. beseeching him in prayer, and then yeah. also praising and thanking him when uh, yeah. those prayers yeah. have been answered. I don't know about you. I just feel like we've fallen a long way from some of the some of the uh, principles that our forefathers brought to this land. You know, like we've said in previous a plain answer programs, may God have mercy on us and grant a great awakening in our own day, and have mercy upon this nation of ours. Uh, we have fallen a great deal from. Uh, the ideal, and um, may the Lord have mercy. Well, we're talking about Thanksgiving, and coming up uh, less than a week from today is uh, Thanksgiving. Um, what we do is the Elmendorf family will get together with some of Debbie's relatives down in the Poughkeepsie area, and uh, her mom and dad will be coming up. And it's kind of a nice time of year because we get to see some folks that we often don't get to see and um, renew our love and acquaintances, and that, that's very important, and particularly when it's close family, because her parents live down there in Pennsylvania. We don't get to see them that often. That's certainly wonderful. Let's go back to history now uh, in terms of the United States of America. You know, we're living in, in uh, 2010. That's a long ways from the 1600s. Bring us a little bit closer to uh, more modern history without jumping too much, if if you would, Hans. Well, Thanksgiving, as we know it as a holiday, is uh, actually a product of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanksgiving was celebrated in New England um, in beginning in the 1700s. 
Um, although it's not clear it was actually connected to the pilgrims and uh, the uh, feast in 1621. Hmm. Um, by the 1840s, most states, particularly in, in the North, celebrated Thanksgiving, but it was on a state-by-state basis. Mm-hmm. And it was up to a state governor to issue a proclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, there had been a few national Thanksgiving proclamations um, the Continental Congress had proclaimed one in December of 1777 during the Revolution. George Washington, as president, had proclaimed one in 1789. Um, but it's really in the 1840s that the push for a national holiday begins. Sarah Josepha Hale, who was the editor of a very influential magazine called Godey's Ladies' Book, began campaigning for a national holiday of Thanksgiving. Hmm. And... She hoped it would help to unite the country uh, with a growing sectional conflict. Um, Hmm. Unfortunately, that did not happen. But in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln declared a national Thanksgiving on the last Thursday of November. And that was the beginning of the annual celebration. Okay. And it was to thank God for the victories that God had granted uh, Union armies in the war, Mm -hmm. but also to beseech him that the war would come to an end and that peace and that union would be restored. Yeah, that was a terrible war. A number of men lost their lives on that. When did the war end? Was it uh, two years later? 1865. Yeah, so we had a long ways to go yet in terms of men dying and losing their lives. Um, Well, we've had uh, this celebration of Thanksgiving ever since. Right. Um, are modern proclamations made, or is it just assumed we're going to have a continuance of Thanksgiving? Every year since 1863, the President of the United States has issued a Thanksgiving proclamation. Oh, okay. Um, and so it, it's an annual uh, yeah, occurrence. Okay. Well, it's good to be thankful as a country, as a nation, founded upon biblical principles with uh, Christianity really at our core. We've moved a long way from that. And again, we need a great awakening, we believe, here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Now, what about um, um, in terms of uh, how we celebrate Thanksgiving today? Um, we often will think back to the pilgrims, the Indians, and what about new folks coming into this country? I think you mentioned offline that um, that often is a convenient tool to teach new folks in the country, immigrants. Absolutely. For most of the 19th century, um Thanksgiving was not associated with pilgrims and Wampanoags uh, the way we automatically do, Um, in part because, remember, there was ongoing conflict between um, Native Americans and uh, white Americans. Uh, The Indian Wars are being fought out west, so Mm -hmm. the whole notion of being friendly with Indians was um, perhaps not so well accepted. But what happens in the early 20th century Um, Of course, the Indian Wars have come to an end. You have increasing number of immigrants coming into the country. And so many groups like the Daughters of the American Revolution um, and the Mayflower Society were trying to Americanize the immigrants and teach them what it meant to become an American and adopt our language and our culture. Mm -hmm. And it was really groups like that who took Thanksgiving and the, the story of the first Thanksgiving, um, the, the Wampanoags and the, and the Plymouth Pilgrims, and used it as a teaching tool mm. to say, um, you know, this is the origins of our country, um, and, you know, here's how the first immigrants to come here to this yeah. country, or one of the first groups, uh, you yeah. know. That seems like a good idea. Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce that Indian name? You, you keep mentioning the Wampanoag. How do you say Wampanoag. That? Okay. It means people of the dawn. 
and they were an uh, Algonquian-speaking uh, group who lived on the shores of Massachusetts Bay. They called themselves people mm-hmm. of the dawn because they lived where the sun rose. Okay, and so they were. Um, there were some, you know, subgroups, um, but their and yeah. their chief Massasoit is the one who welcomed uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Plymouth settlers, made a treaty, a peace treaty with them that lasted mm-hmm. for um, over forty years. Uh, hmm. And of course, they were uh, also received a lot of help from Tusquantum or Squanto, a Native American who had lived in England for nine years and therefore spoke perfect English. Oh, that's it. Uh, and was an invaluable aid to the uh, pilgrims for translating and teaching them how to live, fish, and, and grow crops in their new home. Well, there's an example of the providence of God yes. orchestrating that. Well, I see we're just about out of time for this edition of A Plain Answer today. Um, we've been talking about Thanksgiving, and we're less than a week away. And uh, the kids certainly are looking forward to it, and us adults are looking forward to it as well. Um, you're not going to eat too much, are you, uh, Professor Vogt? I take the fifth. <laughs> well, we ought to, ought to watch it, but uh, enjoy. God gives us all things freely to enjoy, the Scripture says. Uh, we thank God that we've been uh, blessed here in this nation, and um, we thank the Lord for salvation through Jesus Christ. Uh, this was the common element in the pilgrims' lives, the Puritans' lives, and those who would follow in their footsteps and celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, who are we thankful to? We're thankful to God, the triune God of the Scriptures, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just a quick wrap-up thought before we turn off the mics. Well, I think the real lesson that we can learn is that we need to be grateful to God uh, in all circumstances. Mm. Uh, we have been abundantly blessed uh, in this country. Uh, We're going through some tough economic times now, and yet still by the standards of the rest of the world, we are blessed with incredible wealth and resources here. Um, And it's very important that we recognize that it's all God's, none of it's ours, uh, and that we need to be grateful that he has allowed us to borrow a little bit of it for a little time. Amen. Well put. With that, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us today for another edition of A Plain Answer. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio has been Dr. Hans Vogt, Professor, Ulster County Community College. This broadcast will be posted up to our website at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. And we hope that you have a pleasant Thanksgiving as you celebrate the goodness of God in your life. Please tune in next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. Great is thy faithfulness. Father